Welcome to the Global Watch Prayer Podcast. Thank you for joining us as we build community in prayer to empower the church from local expressions to global connections. For more information and resources on the Global Watch, visit theglobalwatch.com. All right, everybody's looking good. We want to welcome you, everybody. This is the Global Watch International Call. It's October 26th, 3 p.m. Jerusalem time. This is the Islam Watch with our very own Shamara leading. And uh, we bless you, Shamara. We are really looking forward to this hour. And we just thank God for you and for the ministry that you're involved with. And we just say, um, Lord, your kingdom come and your will be done. Let the show us, give us your heart for the Islamic world. And, and so we bless you, Shamara. We just say that best years of your life and your ministry are ahead of you and not behind you. And God's put you in a strategic place for this hour. And we just say, may the joy of the Lord be your strength. Jesus name. Amen. Thank you so much. It's a pleasure to be here. Just honor um, Fred and Sue for what you guys are doing, building up the wall of watch watches across the world. And we're just really happy to be a part to play the role that the Lord has given us in, in this hour. And really it's just mobilizing both people who have their calls to go out and to preach the gospel of the kingdom and to pray for this work of the gospel of the kingdom in the Muslim world. And I'm just going to talk a little bit about why this is important. And so in the most recent days, especially following the high holy days we just had, we've come more into a context, I believe, in those, for those who are seeking the Lord in this hour, that Yisrael is at centrality. They, the focus of her is so very important. And I believe that even where the Lord has positioned me having Jewish roots into a, an organization where we're praying for the Muslim world is quite strategic. And it's strategic because if we want to see the, fulfill, the fulfillment and the fullness of the Isaiah 19 mandate that many have been talking about for over uh, a year now, about 18 months, is to understand that God is really trying to prepare the people, the very, the very nations around her, around Israel, that is going to not only help her in her, her most time of need, but also to be able to minister the gospel in a way that creates disciples, true followers of the Lord Jesus Christ in the end times, and those who will fulfill the word of God usher in his return and bring upon this new age that we are transitioning into. So I just today I, I, I asked the Lord, I was like, Lord, hey, how can we talk about and have this conversation of, of what you're doing and how it is we need to mobilize in prayer around what you're doing so that we pronounce you're coming in this hour so that we are taking the vital role as intercessors to not only speak the things that you're saying, but also to be a part of it. I think the Lord is doing something very special here where there is a convergence happening. In GCM, we're known as Global Catalytic Ministries, helping to build and fuel and equip prayer for the Muslim world through movements 
We're known for praying into DMM, which is disciple making movement, but really we're coming into this place of being able to pray into all movements, whatever movement God wants to do. And there are many ways in which he can create disciples and get the gospel of the kingdom out to the nations. And one word that we've really been hearing from the Lord lately is convergence. And in this convergence, we find that the intercessor is merging with the disciple maker so that the intercessor is not greater than the disciple maker and the disciple maker is not greater than the intercessor, but rather we're all called to come together and to do both and then some. Um, Another word that is reigning really clear in this hour is unprecedented. We believe that what God is going to do in the hours ahead are unprecedented. They're unprecedented in the Bible. They're unprecedented in church history. And everyone just has this sense of a waiting and a watching and a hopeful expectation of what the Holy Spirit is going to pour out into his believers. And so the theme for today is just really talking about really the Matthew 10, Luke 10 dynamic. And in a way that the Lord has really opened it up to me, I would just say in a greater depth. So just a little bit about Sheep Among Wolves. As many of you may know, GCM's Sheep Among Wolves originated in the movement that has been spurred in Iran. Um, Iran is known as the fastest growing church, the fastest growing underground church in the world. And that's not to be confused with the largest, but the fastest. And then we know Afghanistan has followed in pursuit with being the second fastest growing underground church. And really the reason that is, is because as God has been shaking the nations, um, it has caused what from the outside and from a political aspect looks like chaos ensuing in the countries. However, as our leader, Pastor X, says that this is the best thing that can happen for believers in these countries because it's in these kind of conditions that the the gospel is able to be preached and disciples are formed because people begin to see the real true face of Islam. The disillusionment begins to happen And they recognize, hold up, this is not the Allah or the God that I've been praying to. This can't possibly be. This is something. And then these blinders that have been placed onto their eyes, these both sons of Ishmael, but also lost sons of Esau have been removed. And they're coming into the, the, the realization of the Lord Jesus who appears to them or encounters them in multiple ways through people, through signs, through visions, through dreams. And then they are radically changed so much that they're willing to uh, die for the sake of the gospel. They're willing to put themselves into dangerous conditions of being not only removed from their families, but being imprisoned, being killed, or just living in very harsh conditions because they identify as a follower of Jesus. And really what the Lord wanted to communicate today, because a lot of us understand this, is just what's happening on the ground now. And then the message behind 
what God is doing in this hour with the nuances or the changes or the fluctuations of what's happening on the ground. And so with Global Catalyst Ministries, we have been mobilizing prayer, not only in Iran, in Afghanistan, but in other Islamic nations, such as Pakistan, such as Iraq or Kurdistan, Turkey, the Arabian Peninsula, North Africa, and one of our newest feats, which is in Indonesia, where we have uh, a couple of teams down there. And we've had a team there for many years who have been fueling disciple-making. And with Indonesia, what's so interesting is that even though it's not traditionally along the Assyrian, in the Assyrian area or along the Isaiah 19 highway, it, it, it has become the largest populated country for Islam. And what's interesting is that it came in through its Western gate in the Aceh region, and it has infiltrated the whole entire country because of trade. So through the economy, through the nation's desperate need to receive more wealth, Islam was able to extend the need. And through that, they were able to infiltrate their religion and their ideologies into this country. And what's interesting is, it's a hijacking of the enemy <laughs> of what God means to do through the gospel. Um, and so this Indonesia is a very interesting um, campaign because it's one where the Lord is saying, I'm going to take back my nation. This will be a sheep nation and she will fulfill her destiny. And so we believe that it's a very strategic time and the best time with COVID and many of the political upheavals that are happening around the globe to go into this place and really um, begin to feel prayer and worship, to, to build uh, worship altars unto the Lord to get his strategy on how to reach the people around them. And essentially, this is what was done in Iran. This is what has been done in all the other nations I mentioned. And this is now what's going to be done in quite a refreshing and a new way in Indonesia. And anyone who may be a part of our GCM prayer partner community, you'll see in the coming days that this prayer group or this worship group is going to be building. And so we're just excited to see what God does. We talk about strategizing prayer. But we really don't know how or the, the means until the Lord just manifests it and says, okay, this is the way. And we see it and we're like, oh, this is how you want it to be done. And so I, I, I really want to hinge on the point that in praying in places like closed nations where Christianity cannot be openly practiced, we need to really be able to hear the voice of God and then obey that voice of God in order to be able to fuel anything of his kingdom that he wants done. And so right now, what we're seeing is obviously what's on everyone's minds for the most part when it comes to the Islamic world is what's happening in Afghanistan. From the groundwork that we have going on, we're hearing that many of uh, the people, believers, who have been in the country, about two-thirds have left. Two-thirds have left the country, and they have been scattered into other places. 
Now, I'm, I'm sure people may have heard reports that many refugees um, from Afghanistan have come to America. There are many other nations, like even Ecuador and other places that have opened their borders to allow them to come. But with believers, understand that it is very dangerous and, and, and it is not wise for believers to come to the West or to jump many countries over from where the Lord has placed them. And I'm going to tell you why. So I recently was in a conversation with um, Pastor X, and he was just sharing how a lot of people who have been trying to help to get people out or pray or do anything to, to offer assistance for, for the, the crisis that's happening in Afghanistan really have been listening to all the reports and obviously over the years, especially since 9-11, feeling that if you don't get people out, they're going to be beheaded. They're, they're going to experience this tragic tragedy of some sort. And especially after what we've seen with back in 2011, like beheadings and different things, like people have a very negative con context when it comes to understanding how disciple makers are able to infiltrate and to be successful in hostile territories. Mm -hmm. And so what's interesting is, and I'm going to talk about it today with the word that the Lord um, really has given me, um, is the strategy that I believe has always been what it was since the time of Jesus. It is now, and it's going to be in the days ahead, is that you don't jump and, and, and go all the way to the West. You don't jump and go to many nations over. Uh, a, a disciple maker that if you have to flee, you're told to flee from city to city, as opposed from nation to nation. Um, and, I'll, and I'll give you an example. So the way the Lord really opened this up to me and anyone who may be able to relate, I grew up in an inner city environment, okay? So one of the very interesting ways that the Lord has helped me to be empathetic to the people groups that I pray for is that I've lived through a lot of trauma. My, I myself have been a victim of sexual abuse, seeing people being killed before me, hearing gunshots, having to do all kinds of different things in order to survive in that type of environment. And that is your lifestyle. That's all. So to you, that those kind of experiences become normal. And you just think of it as another. And so in many uh, of these places where there are closed countries like Afghanistan, Pakistan, Iran, you have this type of hostility to, for Christians, for believers. And so when you're in this closed environment, you have to be able to have, when I was growing up, we called it street wisdom. But as believers, we have Christ's wisdom. <laughs> and you have to be able to have this these special tools in order to be able to get around. And so when you are facing a situation of life or death, you have to be able to make decisions quickly. You have to be able to know what to do in the instance that the worst case scenario happens. And ultimately, where you've been called to, especially if we look at history where people have been called to certain nations, this is the nation or the place where people are willing to die. They're willing to die for the sake of this country. And so, so I can think of one of our particular disciple makers that says this all the time, that this is the place where God has called them 
They love this people. They love these people. These are people that they have given their hearts to, that they're willing to share their space with, and they're willing to die for. And this, and now this person was not an ex-terrorist, was not a part of ISIS or Taliban or anything like that, but just has such a radical passion and a radical heart for Jesus and an understanding of where it is that they have been placed that they're willing to do anything for the sake of the gospel and for the sake of the people that the Lord has given to them. Um, and so this is the reality for the one third of believers who have remained in country in Afghanistan. People are now customizing themselves to what Pastor X has said is a new sense of normalcy. They understand that the days before Sharia law that the Taliban have brought back into this country has now settled in after a few months. And they're now saying, okay, we are coming to the understanding that life has changed. It's not going to, at least in the near future, go back to the way it has been. We accept this. We accept our call. Okay, we need to regroup, get back into prayer, and seek God on what our next steps are. And so that is, when I say so encouraging, so inspiring. It's what Pastor X said. It's like a Gideon moment where the Lord had to flush out most of Gideon's army, get that solid 300. And now with this 300, the Lord is really going to be able to move and show his spirit and glory in this land. And so this, and, and this mantra is something that we believe is an end time, um, strategy that God is going to use in different situations, in different nations, in different scenarios, this theme of Gideon, of the 300. Using the small, the remnant, very end time concept and doing only things that the world can acknowledge that God can do. And he indeed will show himself as the Lord God of the earth. And so what we also find, another cool concept of what's happening on the ground is many of the believers that have fleed, and not just believers, but disciple makers that have fleed, have gone into the nation next door, which is Pakistan. And so many people who may not know about the conditions of Pakistan, Pakistan is actually worse than Afghanistan. I had a very interesting conversation with a gentleman last week who has been fueling both prayer and through a very interesting front has been beginning very incredible disciple-making work there. And Pakistan is a nation that is, for the most part, outside of your, your main uh, couple main city areas, very rural and, and poor than in Afghanistan. If anyone knows history about it, also is a nation that used to be a part, it was one within not too long ago, about probably about, about 50, 60 years ago. Um, and so it's a place that's still trying to find their identity. And it's, and the reason that this division has come between what was once a part of India is because of Islam. I mean, many people in this region began to worship that way. And it has brought, obviously, a huge divide. And what I find interesting about this concept, just like when I was talking about Indonesia earlier, 
is that you also have now another counterfeit because Jesus said he comes to divide. And so the Lord revealed to me and he said, now with this nation, I'm going to come and I'm indeed going to divide the way that they, the way that Islam was able to divide India. And I said, okay, Lord, <laughs> are you going to use this same strategy that, you, that you're showing me? And he said, absolutely. And so um, one cool thing that's happening on the ground that I know up there is this um, gentleman I was speaking to was telling me a story. <laughs> and the story was about a family that has a child that is uh, deaf. And this child is six years old. And when they first had her, their believer, believing family, they believe in the Lord, worship the Lord. They thought, Lord, what do we do? We, we, we live here. We've planted here. We've decided to give our lives to you. We've accepted our plight of living in um, poor conditions, even though we have education. They're a generation that their first generation, both bachelor and master's level education. And they're like, we don't understand. And so they said soon enough, they learned that not only did they make a mistake in saying this, but they repented and they came to find that the Lord gave them a beautiful gift in this child. And in this child, they were able to see that it wasn't her that couldn't hear. It was them that really couldn't hear. And they needed to find the love language, the language of God through this child and how to communicate with her. And in doing so, they realized that there was a true opportunity to share the gospel in this nation that you have power, impoverished conditions. And as a result, there's not a lot of social systems available to provide various needs for people, which includes things like sign language assistance. So this family in their journey with their own child learned sign language and then began to teach sign language. And the only way in which they were able to teach because they were a family of faith was to teach it through songs and singing sing Jesus songs. Um, and, and now they're talking to children, their child is six, they're singing songs, Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me. And Usually when you're teaching sign language, which I know because when I used to be a social worker, I worked with um, autistic children. When you're signing, you don't, you, you don't speak because it can confuse with languages. However, there was one person in that meeting that had an, a hearing aid. So with a hearing aid, they had to speak the words to test the hearing aid. And then when people began to both hear and read the lips and have the sign going on at the same time of these songs, they, they became very curious and said, who is this Jesus? And so through teaching sign language, this is the front, they began to formulate not necessarily a business, but a mission and a movement to teach sign language and through sign language, being able to preach and share the gospel and to make disciples. And so right now there's a huge mission that they're gonna be going on where they've already been able to, cause something about Pakistan is Pakistan, though smaller than Afghanistan, is a nation filled with many language groups. So they have been able to reach over 30 language groups, teaching sign language and also sharing the gospel. And now they have an opportunity to be able to reach 10 more language groups or even more.
And so this is going to be another prayer point to be able right, to reach the gospel in such a, uh, to reach the world with the gospel in such a creative way. Like God is doing miraculous things in what may seem like chaotic or destitute situations. And, and again, there is a strategy behind it. And then just one other um, thing on the ground that I'll mention is if we go on over, um, coming a little over west in Saudi region, we have where there's field working where several different, I guess you could call them sects of Islam, has been able to pretty much be fueled. So many DBSs and many different teachings are happening with different sects of Islam in Saudi, something that is unprecedented and has not happened at many different times. And so we are praying that in Saudi, you're not only able to preach the gospel with different sects of Islam, but you're also being able to be in a position to share the gospel in different ways that have never been openly allowed. So one mission that I was just hearing about with someone who traveled to Saudi is that they were able to openly bring Bibles into the nation and have the first Christian tour that was open in public. And this is incredible because with this kind of unprecedented, here's that word again, event that took place, they were able to set the stage for more Christian tours being able to come into Saudi all through the connections of the disciple-making work that is happening um, in this. And so the this particular person, in conjunction with some of the other individuals they're working with, have been praying into God, make a way for your gospel to be able to reach this nation that is a very rich nation, but for some reason, Christianity isn't able to be widely accepted as much as it should be, considering that it's... It's not as much of a closed nation as, say, Iran, Afghanistan, and Pakistan. And so really, a lot of people are excited because these prayers are now starting to be realized. They're starting to be seen. And these are just some of the groundwork things that are happening um, across the Middle East. And as you inch closer to Israel, it seems like things are very open more than it ever has been around her and is creating the conditions and the situations where it's going to be easier for Jews to flee into those nations. And then even in nations that are not so open, there are still places or people that are strategically laid out so that they're able to be ministered to, so that their needs are able to be provided for in the days coming. We can see that the Lord in his handiwork is indeed paving his highway. Even now as we speak, our prayers are being heard and we are really coming into this time of convergence and unprecedented. And the word that the Lord really gave me to really pray into sheep among wolves and in, 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 the, in the Islamic world is being able to take from the scripture what the Lord is saying and declaring who he is and knowing how it is we are to even 
um, share these tools, share this word amongst the entire body. So even though we're talking about what's happening in the Islamic world, this is uh, a strategy of God to be able to preach his gospel to the whole entire nation, but not just to preach his gospel, to make disciples and people who have a heart and a love and a desire for him so that we're able to unite together in oneness and usher in his return so that he may rule and reign is to fulfill his word, to fulfill his scriptures, and to be able to create an opportunity for every person that was so believed to come into this kingdom. So Matthew 10 and Luke 10, we've probably heard many times. We understand, okay, yes, this is the, you know, part of the Great Commission and, and, the, and the strategy of going out depending on the context of however you've seen this. Oh, yes, I think in Luke 10, the Lord talks about the Good Samaritan. Oh, the Lord talks about Martha and Mary. But something that's so interesting is seeing how all three of these pieces are very vital in time strategies and things that we are seeing is fueling the very work that we're both doing on the ground and fueling into disciple-making. And so... In Matthew 10, what is interesting is that with understanding that we are sheep among wolves being sent out to, to manifest the nature of the Lord Jesus Christ, we find that this is a message that especially right now is broadcasted in the entire earth. So much so that we're not just talking about a message to the church. We're also talking about a message that's now touching the secular world. And so we've seen that with what has happened and what has burned outside of Afghanistan has even caused the likes of Fox News and other news agencies now um, coming to GCM and using GCM as the very source of their information for what's really and truly happening on the ground. What we've also found is that you have other ministries that have work or people that are in country that want to, to get uh, aid to those uh, people or into those places, or they want to get people out. And so therefore, they are leaning on GCM to be able to help them in that endeavor. And so something that I thought was interesting, because I'm not directly related to that work, but in trying to coordinate prayer, there, there, there takes this time of having to receive instruction from God on Lord. We see as intercessors from big picture. <laughs> we don't have all the fine details of what's happening, and that's okay. Many of us, heck, we don't even necessarily watch the actual news. But Lord, we do listen to you, and we get our news from you. And so this dynamic that we've been finding is that God has been having this conversation He's been having this conversation with us where we're receiving his understanding from above and we're also communicating with the disciple maker or the disciple maker communicating with us their prayer needs. And so there's this three-way co conversation that's happening and it's creating this um, big uh, circle, this big fueling fiery circle of communication. And the Lord is doing something really important with that. And before I say what that is, I just want to get through the Matthew 10 and Luke 10 piece. Um, tying this circle 
and then lay out prayer points for us to pray into. Excuse me, yeah, Matthew 10. We find that the Lord has highlighted certain scriptures uh, to me. There, there's an interesting dynamic between Matthew 10 and Luke 10. In Matthew 10, the Lord specifically names the 12 disciples, starting in verse 2, and then going into verse 5 and 6. And he commissions his 12 apostles. Um, they're named as such in this chapter. They're, they're not called disciples, but they're called apostles, special messengers to be sent out to the lost sheep of Israel. And then what I find is that in Luke 10, in verses 1, 2, and 3, you have where the Lord has commissioned the 70, and he has sent them out to others. So you have two distinct groups that are being targeted between Matthew 10 and Luke 10. You have the apostles, the 12, who are portioned to go to their own, the lost of Israel. And then you have the 70, which are sent out to the Gentiles. And so what's interesting is that as a sheep among wolf community, ex-Muslims who are going to drive and fuel disciple-making, they are that 70. They are the ones who are reaching the Gentiles. And then you have many who are already believers who through what's happening in the Islamic world are being super stirred up. And they're like, I believe I'm called. I believe that this is the purpose of my life. And now are stepping into their call and into their destiny. And in this person that God has been building for however long to come to this point of, of realization, they have now been equipped with many tools being ministered to and taught of by the Lord himself, just like the 12 were. And they're able to be uniquely equipped, not necessarily better, but uniquely equipped to reach to a certain people group, which are the lost. So when we're, when we're talking about disciple making, when we're talking about preaching the gospel and then praying for those things, is praying with the understanding that we're both uh, praying for the unbeliever, but also those who may be in the church that are caught in the old mindset, hung up in, in Pharisee in ways, or whatever have you, may have backslidden, or all of those things, and they too need to be discipled, just like an unbeliever. And as we pray, we're praying into both of those things, and we see this context set right before us here in Matthew 10 and in Luke. And so what's interesting is that it goes deeper to really show that there's a distinction between those two calls. You have where in Matthew 10, when the Lord is speaking to his 12, he told, he told them that as you go and preach, you're to say that the kingdom of heaven is at hand. He didn't use the language of the kingdom of God. He said the kingdom of heaven. So there's a difference there. And so in the, in, in the sphere that we're accustomed to, the more charismatic sphere that many people are accustomed to, we can understand the power of the Holy Spirit, the power of the seven spirits of God, and those things that are fueling a lot of the miraculous stories that we're hearing happening in various places over the earth, various experiences and occurrences 
and encounters with the Lord and with heaven that have happened in revivals from the time past. And then just the hope and that expectation in our hearts now for the latter rain that we're all still waiting to be a part of and to see. This is that touch of the kingdom of heaven that the apostles had that they were directly given from the Lord himself. And so in this, they were able to go out and do these things, mind you, before Jesus left, before the Holy Spirit came to heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the lepers, cast out demons, excuse me, and then the Lord saying to them, this is all in verse eight, freely you have received and so now freely you give. And so they had this kind of power and all of these things, even before the, the baptism of fire came when they were in the upper room, 10 days after Yeshua Jesus raised into heaven. And so when we really think about this context, the Lord is trying to show us something. He's trying to show us that being able to have the, the availability of healing, being able to pray into those things, being able to pray that disciple work and things that are being fueled in Islamic nations, that it's not just about the people there being safe, but the Lord raising up prophets in Afghanistan, in Pakistan, the Lord raising up apostles, the Lord using them to heal the sick, to cleanse the lepers, to, to restore the broken places. These are things that we can pray into that we already have that they already have access to and and not having to sit around still waiting for the latter rain because that's where that word unprecedented comes back what's going to happen in the days ahead the latter rain we're still waiting for are going to be things that are unprecedented in this bible they are unprecedented in church history they're going to be things we've never seen before no, what no eye has seen, no ear have heard, the, those kinds of things. And so then in Luke 10, what we can identify is that the Lord also shows the picture of the good Samaritan. So he shows the picture of the sheep among wolves in the first part of Matthew 10 and in the first part of Luke 10. The specific passage is Luke 10 verse 3. And Matthew 10, verse 16. And in Matthew 10, the apostles are identified as sheep. Whereas in Luke 10, the others are identified as lambs among wolves. So obviously lambs are baby sheep. They are not as mature as sheep. So the Lord was clearly showing that this special unique call of the apostle to the lost is in a place for maturity with uh, practicing with God, spending time with him. And the others, the 70 who are sent out are lambs, but with lambs still given the power to trample upon scorpion and serpent still give, being given the power to heal. And we know the word of God in Matthew chapter 15 says that healing is the children's bread. So what we've been finding is that God is still able to do the miraculous, especially a lot of the praise reports we've been hearing in Afghanistan, where people are receiving supernatural provision, 
There's supernatural healing of hearts and people miraculously coming to the gospel. Every time a person converts in the Islamic world, that is a healing. That is where a heart that has been poor, wretched, bruised, battered, has been healed, has the, the hardening on it has been uh, taken off, and it has now been made soft and fleshy, and they've become a new creation. That is a healing, and a not just an ordinary healing, but a miracle, the greatest miracle. And so when we pray, we're praying for disciple-making in the Islamic world and hearts. We are praying for God to do healings. We are praying for him to release the children's bread, to the, the, even to the least. We are praying for God to be able to do the miraculous and for the greatest miracle to occur, which is for a man's heart to be changed. And then with the Good Samaritan, as we tap onto that sheep among wolf theme, we have places so we need places of refuge. So with disciple making, another interesting thing is that we need to have a place where prayer is continually going forward. And in this place is where collectively, not just one person, but collectively where two or three are gathered together, the Lord being in their midst, the Lord being used in such a more powerful way. In the midst, people are able to receive instruction from God by hearing his voice, knowing that it's his voice, the sheep hear their shepherd's voice and obeying like obedient sheep do. Obeying like obedient lambs do. And so ultimately what begins to happen is they take these instructions, they go out and do them. Just like Jesus said, he does what his father in heaven has shown him to do. So they too do. So when we pray, we're praying that people are in a place where altars are being built in these nations. Worship altars are being built in these nations. And from these worship altars, people are able to receive instruction from God, to hear his voice clearly, to know his voice, and then to obey. And so that's how we pray into the Islamic world and what God is doing in changing hearts. And in the Good Samaritan, the, the reason why this is so important with what the work we're doing in Islam is because, again, when we're looking at the context of Israel, these are, this is the Gentile nation. This is the Samaritan. This is the, we want to be in a position where we understand that the Lord even reveals his plan in this passage where the Pharisee passed by, even the priest passed by the man who was laying on the road, but it was the foreigner. It was the foreigner who picked him up, cared for him, and took him to the inn. And it's in that place of the inn that you have love, that you have joy, that you have peace, that you have unity, that you have the caring for the God needs, that you have the opportunity through giving this type of love and care that people are not just listening to your words. They're not just saying a prayer that I believe in Jesus in my heart. They are being transformed inside out by the love they see through other people, through the foreigner. And so this is a huge piece of how we pray into sheep. And then last but not least, the, the, the story in uh, Luke 10 is with Mary and Martha. And this is where we can come back to that circle I told you to remember. <laughs> At least we'll have 10 minutes to pray. 
And so in this circle of fire, again, where there's this conversation between the intercessor, the disciple maker, and God, and it's this three ring conversation, the Lord showed that this is taking us to a place of where, especially in GCM, we're going to be, we're, we're going to take part in these prophetic roundtables. It's this prophetic roundtable where the Lord has invited us to his table to, to hear both what the disciple maker is saying on the ground and also to hear from heaven the response of the request by the disciple maker on the ground. And then we're, we're going from a place of not just reacting to what the enemy is doing in Afghanistan or Iran or in Pakistan or Indonesia, but we're being proactive. We're putting on our gear and we're attacking the enemy <laughs> because the Lord is just telling us before it even happens, this is what's coming. So this is how I need you to prepare. This is what I need you to do. This is the attack that I need you to launch. And so the special Delta force is being set up at this round table, just like Mary, who here in Luke 10 is sitting at Jesus's feet in verse 39, continually listening to his teachings or to his instructions. And it's from this place that the Lord himself says in verse 42, that this is the only one thing necessary and the chosen good part that will not be taken away. And the reason that is, is because that is the foundation. The foundation for disciple making is this chosen part of Mary. This foundation for what God has called us to as an intercessor is this chosen part of Mary. Whether you're a teacher in the marketplace or a firefighter and you worship and adore the Lord God and you want to fulfill your call, it is this chosen part that is the best. And so we we're yes, we're focusing into the Islamic world, but we're being able to see that these principles that the Lord can apply to so many situations, how instrumental it is for us to identify these very basic key strategies to hear the now word of how to apply them and whatever it is that God has called us to. And so these three things are going to be the main dynamics in this hour of God pouring out a radical move of the spirit. It is culminating many circles that I know that I have been in are all uh, uh, hungering around John 13 to 17, the, con the context of God's love, the context of oneness, the context of unity. And I believe it's in this place that as the ecclesia, as the, the kehila, the congregation of the body of Christ, the remnant, those seeking God come together and are filled with his spirit. We're going to be indwelled with the power, the fullness of the power of the Holy Spirit to that when we pray and the Lord puts it on our hearts to to focus on the Islamic world, we're going to truly see signs and wonders that are unprecedented. As the convergence continues to happen between the intercessor and the disciple maker, the convergence continues to happen between the sons of Esau and the sons of Ishmael to bring into fulfillment Abraham's covenant blessings, we're going to see a radical shift in this world. This is the end of part one of Islam. Go to part two for the remainder of this session. Thank you.